This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. <laughs> We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. And follow along with us on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report, our YouTube channel. You're going to want to keep this one handy. YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report online because we've got lots of giveaways going on. The Fugu Go speaker is the most recent, which of which uh, we're going to award that prize in, in just a couple seconds. But uh, sitting in for the uh, late Mitchell Whitfield is our gaming editor, David Weir from Glasgow, Scotland. David, welcome back. It feels like so long that we haven't spoken to you. I think it has been like a really long time. It feels like a long time. And there's a special reason you're on here, not only because I don't want to talk to myself for 10 minutes, but because uh, Microsoft had a kind of like an unscheduled reveal for Project Scorpio. This is kind of fun. This was, when did we find out about this? When did we find out what was going to happen? A couple days ago? Yeah, it was. I think it was Monday or Tuesday where um, Digital Foundry, who are part of Eurogamer, said, we've got all the specs and we're going to be talking about them on, on what is now Thursday. Well, you know, hopefully Microsoft gave them a blessing because uh, all the specs are out there, and we'll, and we'll get to that in a second. I want to obviously set up this show because we've got a great show lined up for people. Um, on this show, Otherworld Computing, they've been accessorizing Macs forever. We're going to be talking to their uh, their CEO and co-founder. Uh, Mark Robin from Funko is joining us. He's going to talk about all about their latest Disney box. Plus, we're going to speak to a very cool man by the name of Matt Ganzak. He is what they call a disruptor. He works with many, many different brands and different companies and helps them and get through all the marketing garble of the internet and helps uh, people really, really stand out. So we're going to talk to him as well. Uh, plus, we're going to launch a new giveaway for the very cool TomTom Tom Adventurer watch. This is a $500 giveaway, and we're talking about a, a very, very cool watch. So, you know, David, let's um, before we get into the news, because there is some news this week that we want to get into, um, let, let's, uh, let's announce the winner of this uh, very, very, very cool Fugu Go uh, speaker. And the winner is, you want to give me a drum roll? Pretend to give me a drum roll? Just go, yeah, there we go. Uh, congratulations to to Gavin Weinstein from Dayton, Ohio. Gavin, you are the winner of the Fugo Speaker. Fugo Speaker, we're going to get in touch with you and get that to you. And now, if you want to get it in our next giveaway, head on over to yourtechreport.com, check out our YouTube channel, and you can sign up right now to win this uh, Tom Tom Sports Adventurer watch. It's a one size fits all. It's it's this is like a it's got GPS outdoor watch. It's got music streaming. It comes with Bluetooth headphones. It tracks your cardio. It tracks your sleep. It's got a barometer so it knows when you're doing hiking, when you're doing skiing, when you're doing swimming. Uh, 24-7 activity tracking. It's got a battery that's going to last you several days. Heart rate monitoring throughout the entire day. It's 40 meters of water resistance. Again, a $500 package, a very cool product. Head on over to youtube.com slash online. You can check our video for that watch and you can sign up right now for that giveaway, which we'll be doing over the next couple weeks. Okay, so David, you know, you and I were talking off the air a bit about Microsoft, and we, you know, Project Scorpio is something they kind of been have been teasing for quite some time. Um, my speculation is they're teasing this because they want developers to have a little bit of an upper hand and be able to showcase some things. Tell us what we learned earlier this week or, or later in the late in the week, depending on when you're listening to the show, um, about Project Scorpio because we've got some hard specs, but it means a lot more than, than the specs actually sound, right? Yeah, there was a huge sort of very detailed technical video, which I won't go into because it, it was a very long technical video. Basic specs are CPUs 30% faster than the Xbox One, the GPUs 4.6 times faster, and there's about 8 gig of RAM purely for gaming compared to the old 5 gig of RAM on the Xbox One. What that means in real terms is all those 1080p Xbox games or ones at 900p or all those ones that are just not quite on the quite, level of yeah. performance. Yeah, they're all going to run at 1080p, no screen tearing, probably around 60 frames a second, um, better texture filtering. Basically, all those games on the Xbox 360 that have backward compatibility, all those Xbox One games, they're going to run pretty much as well as they can possibly run. What they've also pointed out, because they were showing off stuff from Forza 6, is that with patches, you could even have those games running at 60 frames a second and 4K. Oh, wow. That's yeah. insane. 
that, that game DVR on the new console will capture at 4K. We'll have frame by frame for each um, capture oh, wow. you do, so you can use them <laughs> as screenshots. Um, load times are just, especially on previous Xbox One and 360 games, are just going to be non-existent. Now, are we expecting still? We're still expecting a full kind of reveal come E3 this year. Yeah, E3 will be where they show off what the system looks like, how much it's going to be games for the actual Scorpio side of stuff. What the thing's actually called, because I don't buy it's going to be called Scorpio. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Um, but um, the people at Eurogamer and Digital Foundry basically said this thing, just power-wise, knocks the PS4 Pro out of the water. <laughs> any any indication as to VR elements of it, or did it kind of ignore that and they're going to wait for... Uh... They haven't even slightly mentioned it at all. It's fun, kind of fun. Like they throw these little teases out, and as gamers, you kind of look at it and go, "Oh my god, this is going to be insane!" And the more and more we lead up to it, it's like this starts salivating, don't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And the thing is, I mean, even if you don't have a four K TV, this might like the PS Four Pros. There's not really much point in buying one unless you've yeah. got four K TV. This might actually be the reason to buy one, even if you don't, because they've said all those performance modes that boost like resolution or boost texture filtering, they all still work at 1080p resolutions. So all those games will be faster, they'll load faster, they'll be there. So it might just be the fact is, come November, you're buying a Scorpio no matter what. Wow. You know, Mitchell and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, too, is that we think that regardless of what you're gaming on now, you're going to want this machine just for the sheer power of it and obviously everything that goes along with it. Um, also, earlier this week, an interesting story came out of kind of Cupertino. Apple invited a hand a handpicked group of developers, not developers, sorry, media outlets to their headquarters. And they said, guys, um, we made we made a couple mistakes with the Mac Pro. Um, and, and we want to make sure that you realize that we're focused on the pro user and we know that we made a mistake and we know that we're rethinking the entire lineup. They talked about the Mac Pro, they talked about the iMac and they said how important all these products are in their lineup. But I think the message here really is for those pro users that they haven't been forgotten, they understand they made a mistake with the Mac Pro um, and, and they are going to be delivering something although you're going to have to you're going to have to wait for it. Now you and I were talking about this David, um, you know, you your your initial re, you know reactions to the Mac Pro in the first place were kind of like hmm, what's going on here right yeah well it never looked like a modular system it never looked like the old big mac pros that looked like a, basically like a pc tower that i could take apart add bits to change things around they always they were far too enclosed they were basically like well this is a fancier looking version of an imac and i can't do much to an imac and as a, a firmware sort of it based person i want to be able to take things out and yeah. put new bits in it just wasn't possible with the current pro I guess the definition of a pro user is that really you want to be able to enhance these machines as much as you possibly can. It is your tech report. I am Mark Flalo. Thanks to David Weir for filling in for Mitchell. Mitchell is, I see him coming in with the coffee. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. Don't forget to check out youtube.com slash your tech report online for that brand new giveaway for the TomTom Adventurer Watch. Thanks to the friends at TomTom for doing this. We'll be doing that for a couple weeks. And we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with the CEO and founder of Otherworld Computing, otherwise known as either MaxSales.com or OW you see they've been accessorizing Macs since Macs have existed. Stick around, follow us on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report. There's more Your Tech Report after this. Now, back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. I am Marco Flalo, as always, joined by Mitchell Whitfield. Follow along with us on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. And our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report online. Uh, Mark, it's been very hard over the past several days for me to wait for this actual interview for our next guest. Would you like to know why? Several days. I've been trying to get this together for like months, but you know, there's <laughs> vacations and March breaks and then I was stuck in Florida. This is like, this is months for me. I know. It's, it's been literally months in the making. And uh, let's let's start off with a bit of context here just to tell how important this is personally to us and I think to a lot of people that are out there. Uh, Mark, you and I are both MacBook Pro, the new MacBook Pro, 15-inch MacBook Pro. We are both owners, correct? Yes, we are. And, and when the product was originally released, you heard all about the dongle life and the transition and then sort of the awkward transition to only USB-C ports on the MacBook Pro. We've heard a lot of Mac users complaining. They wish they had the legacy ports for their legacy equipment. And until I got one of my own, I didn't realize, wow, this is a real issue. And here's the funny part. There is not one company out there that makes a dock that will support everything I need for my MacBook Pro. Just one dock that has every port that I need except for one. And this is the absolute truth. There's only one company that we found on the planet that actually makes the dock that will support. Am I, am I lying here, Mark? It's no, no, the truth. You're, you're, you're the God's honest truth. 
Okay, and that company is Otherworld Computing. I'm sure if you're a Mac fan, you you know OWC. They've been making fantastic products since I believe 1998. They've been around, correct? In 1988. Oh my gosh! So everybody knows the company very well. If you don't know OWC, you were going to learn a lot about them today and their fantastic lineup of Mac products. And to help us today, we have Larry O'Connor, the the company's founder and CEO. Larry. Can you tell how excited we are to have you on the show? I, I think I got the drift. <laughs> you think you got the drift. Now, before we go I'm into excited, the actual, you know. I say excited so, to be here, too. Uh, we're, we're, we love having you. We really appreciate you coming on. Before we go into the product specifically, tell our listeners who are maybe not familiar, if there are any left out there that don't know OWC, tell them about how your company got started and what you guys have been doing. Sure. We got started uh, you know, doing upgrades for Macs and, and actually for Apples in general. You know, things that folks needed that you know, just weren't, either weren't out there or weren't done right. And you know, over time, uh, you know, we've been very customer-focused. We've been very you know, product-focused in terms of you know, delivering solutions that people need and not trying to tell people you know, you know, what they should have, you know, really understanding what, you know, what they want and, and making sure we've got the solutions that you know, make their life better. You know, Larry, um, I, I was a PC user, obviously, when I, when I started using computers in general. And the thing you know, PC users love is the ability to upgrade components at one component at a time or just to build your own machine from scratch, depending on, on obviously, what your needs are. Every, every need is different. So when, when transitioning to a Mac, there was this preconceived notion that a Mac was just not as flexible and not as upgradable and not as customizable as a PC was. But thanks to OWC, you've been not only creating the ability for people to upgrade, but you've been really holding people's hands in the process. And that's a that's a feat that no one else has been doing. And that's probably, I think, I think one of the genesis for me switching to a Mac was the existence of your company. You know, and Apple, I hope Apple's listening to that because you know, I, <laughs> I do agree that having the ability to upgrade and you know, do some self-service on systems is important to a lot of folks, a lot of folks, you know, whether it's a business or personal, you know, knowing that you know, there's a way to keep these machines you know, go and you pay a premium for a Mac, and quite frankly, Apple builds the best. I think they build you know, the best hardware on the planet. It's built to last. It's it's you know, it's high quality. A little frustrating when uh, you know they make it a little harder than they probably really should to, to provide these upgrade and service avenues. So we're glad to step in and you know provide you know whether it be SSD upgrades or you know an iMac hard drive compatibility kit. I mean, it's, you can't just take a hard drive off the shelf and stick it into an iMac, yeah. but. We have a solution that, that takes care of that for folks, so you can continue servicing machines that, you know, even when a Mac is five years old, seven years old, it still runs the latest OS. It still runs it really well. You put an SSD in there. You upgrade the hard drive. Base, you know, the docks. You know, fill in need where you know, Apple continues to take ports away, and we really love uh, you know, what Thunderbolt 3 brings to the equation. I just thought it was a little early to take every other port off when they added those Thunderbolt Type-Cs. Well, and that seems to be the consensus we're hearing throughout kind of the industry is that did they jump the gun a bit in in upgrading to those ports with all these peripherals that were out there? And that's another thing we could probably debate for hours and hours. But to bring, bring it back a little bit, you used the word solutions, and I think that is a true real definition of what your company is doing because straight from the Mac upgrades to obviously the docks and the accessories that we're going to talk about in a second, I mean, you you guys are, are, are filling a great need for solutions that quite honestly, Apple is just, you know, they seem to be on their own timetable and their own schedule when it comes to releasing updates for computers and where the consumers aren't really as patient. And it's thanks to guys like you that uh, we have solutions. We have solutions like that. So so talk about the, for example, you know, the Thunderbolt 3 dock, which is something that I know Mitchell is really excited about. I mean, you created a solution for something that Apple kind of jumped, jumped the gun at, but were you prepared for that or is that something that really was uh, almost a rush to market type thing? Uh, we were prepared. I mean, in fairness, you know, we're actually take a little bit longer than we originally expected to, to get the product fully delivered, but that's mainly because of power delivery and a lot of the, a lot of the new uh, capabilities that Type-C and Thunderbolt 3, the power delivery over a single cable, brings to the equation. But our Thunderbolt 3 dock, you know, you know follows the, uh, the pedigree of our Thunderbolt 2 dock, which is still, you know, raved out there, you know, by you know, reviewers, critics, customers alike, is the best Thunderbolt uh, 1, Thunderbolt 2 dock solution you can buy for Mac. And, you know, there's, we're still shipping... I should rather say Apple is still shipping Thunderbolt 2 equipped Max today. I mean, it's only only one model has Thunderbolt 3, so even the current Thunderbolt 2 dock has a, a huge place. It's the only dock that maintains FireWire. 
Apple pulls ports off, but that doesn't mean that people don't continue to have peripherals that need those ports. <clears throat> like you said, you had the previous year's Thunderbolt dock, which is a brilliant product, still is a brilliant product. Uh, I think that serves more on the uh, on the smaller side of the computers. The MacBook Pro, the 15-inch MacBook Pro, will benefit from the new Thunderbolt 3 in terms of the power that's needed for it. But you talk about the ports that are on there, okay? We're not talking like a couple of ports. And here's what I was saying at the beginning of the show when, when, we, intro, when we did the intro. I, I saw other companies that did something that might have had an SD card reader and an extra USB-C port. I found some that did the Ethernet, but nothing that had the reader, the analog audio in and out, the the legacy 3.1, the, the USB 3.1, the legacy USB ports, mini display port, gigabit, pro audio, firewire, nothing had everything like this one does. You guys had to be sitting around and thinking, I would love to have been sitting around the table area with you guys and thinking, okay, other companies do this, we do that. We're going to do everything. Did you make a concerted effort to make sure that there'd be no... No port was left behind. Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny you say that. You know, on a daily basis, when we're shipping, you know, we have a model no package left behind. And with other guys, you know, work hard and, and work late to get everything out the door same day. And on the uh, the <laughs> Thunderbolt three dock, absolutely no port left behind. On the basis that just because Apple's taking the ports away doesn't mean that there's a huge legacy collection of great solutions, great products that still need to connect to these ports that no longer exist. So. Larry, you know, over the time since, since 1988, you've seen a lot of a lot of growth in the industry and a lot of transition in the industry. You know, as founder and CEO, there's obviously products that you're particularly proud of. I'm curious, what you know, what are a couple that you can think of off the top of your head that really blew your mind when you released them? You know, our, I tell you, it, it's you know, we probably uh, you know because we're so embedded in this, and the, it, I have to say, a lot of the solutions that we've done over the course. Now, to the outside world, maybe they're not common sense, but, I mean, they're things that filled an obvious need that, you know, was lacking. And it, it obviously, it's a lot of fun along the way, but you know, a couple of, you know, super memorable products. You know, one was a software solution, one was a Ziff. So we had a $300 solution that effectively uh, bumped a, a Mac, a, a G3 Beige or G3 Blue and White, to about two and a half times the performance that Apple shipped it from the factory. You know, you're so customer-oriented. I, You know, when I talked about, you know, kind of holding your hand going through the upgrade process, you guys really have made it simple. You kind of select your model, and you can actually detect your model of Mac computer, and, and it will recommend the Mac's upgrades or recommend things throughout the process. I'm curious how um, a, a, how your team kind of keeps in touch with the consumer to see what they need and to see what kind of options are out there. I mean, you have upgrades for legacy computers that I probably couldn't even find in a, in a garbage can these days. Sure, and you know, we... We still sell memory for uh, Macs made, you know, you know, twenty plus years ago. And you know, the truth, you know, waste not, want not. And the truth be told, if the system's working, doing the job that somebody needs, and they need a part to keep it going, you know, we, we certainly, if possible, we maintain that part and continue that part. Most upgrades are really, really easy once you can see a video, see some instructions that you know, show you what it takes. Well, this is the exact reason that we're, we're we're happy that you're around, that other world computing is around, because in a day and age now, as you and you and you touched on this, Larry, and what you were saying, you know, the, especially the current Mac lineup, it's not meant to be touched by the average, not meant to be touched. Forget the average consumer by anyone. Everything is soldered to a board. Everything is one piece. You have to do all your upgrades in advance when you purchase the computer, which which could like limit the lifetime of the computer. But thanks to OWC and the products that you make and everything that you guys sell to help the consumer keep their product relevant, everyone. Can can keep their Mac fresh every year. And it's not just the Thunderbolt 3 dock that Mark and I are excited about. It's every part of the external storage solutions, the internal memory upgrades, everything you guys do is geared toward the consumer. And we are so grateful that not only that you are guys that you guys are there for us, but also that you took the time to come on the show. And we hope you'll come back with us again because you guys are always coming up with new innovations. And we'd love for you to be able to come back when OWC has their has their next great wave of great external upgrades for their Mac and internal upgrades. So please, please do join us again, Larry. Oh, we'll be happy to come back. we got a, a huge wave actually being unleashed at NAB next month, so we're glad to be in the space doing, doing what we do. Thank you so much, Larry. Larry O'Connor, founder and CEO of Otherworld Computing. Computing. Uh, click to MacSales.com or OWC Digital to see a solution that will definitely fit your needs. Larry, thank you again for joining us. There's still more ahead on Your Tech Report. Connect with us on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report, and our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report online. Your Tech Report will be right back. This is Your Tech Report. Welcome back to your Tech Report. Mark Aflalo in Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Follow along with us on Twitter. It is at your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash your Tech Report. Our YouTube channel, Mitchell, is YouTube.com slash your Tech Report online. 
You know, this is our next guest. This interview is going to be really interesting because I think when people think technology, they think of new gadgets, new new hardware, new software. But with this new digital age comes also a new way of marketing, a new way of promoting. New entrepreneurs are popping up, new ways to maximize social media. There are all these new techniques. And I think, Mark, if I'm not mistaken, our next, first of all, our next guest has such an eclectic background, but our next guest is going to address a lot of these things I just mentioned. He, he, not only is he going to do that, but, you know, there's this term that's kind of coined on the internet these days or just in the world, which is uh, being a disruptor. And that's doing, yes. uh, uh, you know, I could try to define it myself, but let, let's bring on Matt. Matt Ganzak is an Amazon bestselling author. He's a marketing disruptor, and he's on your tech report right now. Matt, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Matt, can you can you help us define, help our listeners understand, what is the definition of a disruptor in 2017? I would define a disruptor as somebody that takes the norm, uh, the norm of what people think, the norm of, you know, what we've been taught for so many years by our parents, our teachers, and what society has told us, and understanding with the information that we've been receiving in a very, very fast rate over the last six years, seven years, thanks to social media, that that might not actually be the way that the world actually works. And because of technology, we're, we're consuming more information now. We're consuming information faster. And information is moving to the place that we say, you know, hey, perhaps that's not the way it needs to be. Maybe there is a different way. And it's questioning the norm and being innovative and in creating new technology, new ways of doing things, and then positioning that online to say, hey, that thing that you thought was exactly how it was isn't exactly how it could be. Let me introduce you to a different way. Now, Matt, you've, you've built multiple enormous businesses. We're talking about seven-figure businesses in, in, your, in your lifetime. And you're not, you're not an old guy. Would you say you've done so by thinking differently, by being that disruptor? I think absolutely. And it's leveraging the technology that is out there. And that's what my book is about, um, The Million Dollar Plan, Leveraging Technology to Scale. And really, that's what it comes down to is understanding what the market can bear, understanding where that market opportunity is, reframing the sale to say, you know, this isn't how it should be. Let me give you a, a different option. And then positioning that option online. So we use Google, Facebook, other social media, other marketing, and we've spent multiple seven figures in advertising to help disrupt industries and change the way that people think. Yeah, you know, Matt, you, you brought something up, which is really a word that I love, which is leverage, by the way, and leverage has to do with assets that you have and maximizing their use. And the average person has access to Facebook, to YouTube, to Twitter. Uh, there are all these great social media outlets that are out there, and people, the, the average person doesn't really know how to leverage those. If they have a small business, if they have a service, providing a service, if they have a small product, they don't know how to leverage those assets that they have to their maximum benefit. But you can really help them with that. You can help people use Facebook ads, use YouTube, use all social media to their advantage, correct? Yeah. Let me, let me give you an example. Last sure. month, uh, I had a new company come in and say, you know, Matt, can you help us expand our brand new business? I was the first like on their fan page, and I said, hey, guys, you know, you got to like your own fan page. Come on, guys, let's go. <laughs> so uh, beginning of February, they came in and said, you know, let's market. We have a, a $4,000 ad budget, and we want to get our product and get our message out there. And they were doing business consulting and trying to bring in small businesses to help them grow. And they said, you know, how can you use Facebook ads to help us grow? And I ended up helping them in seven days to put $500,000 on the books with a less than a $4,000 ad spend. And that's what's phenomenal today. I came from actually radio and broadcasting myself and advertising, and uh, then I started a uh, small business boutique um, advertising firm where we were putting up billboards and doing this and doing that. But a billboard is $4,000 to put it up. Advertising and doing uh, you know traditional advertising on the radio Having a decent ad spend on the radio, you're spending $4,000, Easily. What we were able to do with direct response is to put ads on Facebook with a $4,000 ad budget and put $500,000 in seven days on the books for that company. That's, that's amazing because, you know, uh, turning something into actual revenue seems to be the biggest challenge these days. People can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on advertising that if not spent correctly doesn't actually equate to making money on the books at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it absolutely. It, it's it's the disruption. It's when somebody's scrolling by, and that's what's so nice about the internet and advertising online is as they're scrolling by, the first conversion that you have to make is get them to stop. You just have to get them to stop scrolling, and then get them to you know take action, click, and then get over onto a page and take some sort of action from there. And that's what's so nice about advertising online versus billboards and versus. Uh, you know, it's all speculation when it comes to billboards, and I know they'll probably tell you otherwise, but it is all speculation. It's like if we put this billboard up, we invest all this time, we invest all this money, are we really going to get a return on our advertising? I can put up an ad, spend $20, and say, hey, maybe this isn't working. Maybe we should tweak it, and we can tweak on the fly. Once that billboard's up, there is no tweaking. See, I, 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 I want to take this to a specific example, and I hope you don't mind bringing this up. Uh, there, there's something that I'm reading here about you, okay, about Google is paying you to advertise on your website. I would talk to us about this Candy Crush website, because there's in, here's an example of a product that isn't yours, uh, that you're yeah. able to take and monetize. Talk about what you did with this Candy Crush website. Oh, now you guys are Googling me. So, all right, so that was... That was <laughs> we we have PR show. people to do that for us. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was kind of a joke. Okay, so a couple years back... Candy Crush was huge, and I was noticing in this software, I run this software to tell me where the market opportunities with keywords are, because I do uh, some SEO work, and uh, keywords kept coming up, how to beat Candy Crush, level 33, how to beat level 67, how to beat level 130, or whatever the numbers were, and I was like, the competition is so low for these, let me just put a page online real quick, so I believe the date was uh, July 27, somewhere in that uh, range, 2003. 13, I believe, was the year. I put a web page online, how to beat Candy Crush level 33. And then I went to sleep. I woke up in the morning and I made $10 from advertising <laughs> because I ranked up number one. And then it kept going. So I kept building out levels. After a few days, I had, you know, more levels built out. And in fact, I called my brother and said, I just made $400 yesterday from advertising on my Candy Crush site, which is just ridiculous. What are you doing for work right now? He's like, oh, I'm working at Best Buy. I was like, how much are they paying you per hour? He's like, well, $12. I said, well, how about I pay you $15 per hour and you just play Candy Crush all day? (laughs) So I actually hired somebody to just play Candy Crush all day and show people how to beat levels. We ended up making uh, somewhere around $30,000 within three months from just advertising uh, over a million views on these stupid Candy Crush pages (laughs) that we built. They were just teaching people how to, like, you know, move little candies around and, and how to beat levels, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, but you know what? It, it seems ridiculous at first, but when you look, first of all, the money is real, number one. And it's a great example of taking something out there. Again, not your product. It's something that's already out there, and you're facilitating people learning how to beat the levels. And you're and you're able to mo- not just monetize, but make a ton of money in a short period of time. And this is just one small example, I'm guessing. This candy crush yeah. is one, one little tiny tiny drop in the bucket to com- compared to what's out there. So the, 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 what I take from this is the opportunities are out there. It's just a matter of finding them and maximizing those opportunities and knowing what to do with them. And it doesn't have to be your product. Yeah. And, and honestly, uh, we, we have another product that we're building right now. It's in development. And I, I don't want to get too deep into the product that's in development right now. But let me just tell you something. Uh, over the last year, I have earned back over $3,000 from price matching because uh, how price matching works and every big company, uh, Best Buy, Target, Walmart even, uh, they price match. So when you go and buy something and you walk away, you walk out of the store, you have a 15-day, 14-day, in some cases 30-day price matching that if, it, if the price drops anywhere, you can walk back into that store and get your money back. I did that and made back $3,000 last year in just camera equipment and other nonsense that I've purchased just by price matching. So we're building an application right now to help people with that. Oh, that's brilliant. So the app does all the work for you. Absolutely. It'll just push note and let you know on your phone when that price drops. That's one platform that we're building right now. We have a few other platforms that we're working on being innovative because it started with something very simple, blogging and doing things that just anyone can do. Now we have developers, and we're trying to develop technology that's going to be disruptive in these industries. So uh, I think we should do probably some follow-ups down the road and you know, just talk about the disruption and those things beyond just 
advertising companies and doing those things. It comes down to building technology that actually helps people in their everyday life. And, you know, hey, it's not like we're ripping off these companies. They have the price matching in uh, in their terms. So might as well take know, advantage of the it. best for your yeah. advantage. Now, Matt, you're, you're, um, day-to-day, you're building these applications, but you're, you're working with clients as well, right? You're helping them with their marketing, correct? Yes. So when, when, you, when you meet a new client and you're trying to, obviously the first step is to get someone to, to think really, to think very differently, to think disruptively like you. What do you find is the biggest challenge to get those people to, to finally click? Because I'm assuming that there's a point in which they finally get it. Yeah, the biggest, the biggest issue is I look for clients who can be disruptive. So I have to look at the market. I have to look at, you know, the disruption because listen, if the person's going to be selling clothing or selling something that, you know, it just, it's like everything else. My talents and and my team's talents aren't really going to help you, but I'm sitting here right now in one of my clients places and we do IV hydration. So we, uh, IV hydrate people for athletes and for overall wellness and for high performance, uh, I'm, I'm somebody, I work crazy hours. I'm always working. It's always, you know, and uh, I'm always uh, traveling and whatnot. So I need to put the fluids back into my body, and the sugary energy drinks aren't doing it. You know, actually, if you go and drink uh, a Gatorade or something like that, you should look to see how much sugar you're actually putting in your body that's then dehydrating you even further. So I'm putting vitamins right now, getting an IV drip, putting in the fluids and vitamins to let my body naturally give the energy that it needs and give my organs the things it needs. So this is one of my clients. Uh, I've been working with them now for three years, and the overall objective now is we are expanding to every single city, um, special cities, but uh, we're going to try to expand to every single city in the United States with this concept. Those are the types of clients that we work with. Very cool. Matt, you know, you... In your journey to get to where you are today, I mean, you have to, obviously, there are ups and downs. Was there a point in which you, you hit a rock bottom before you realized what you had to do next? Yeah, it was uh, the collapse of the market, uh, 2007 or so. And I was doing pretty well. I was building websites for people and ranking in search engines, which was really cool before, you know, Facebook and all those things. So uh, we're ranking in search engines. We're building websites. We're doing all this work. And then... Uh, the collapse happened and I was going out and meeting with companies and they're saying, we don't want to invest in our marketing. We don't want to invest in, you know, growing our business. Uh, now's not the right time. So I said, all right, I need to move either to LA or New York places that are going to be recession proof. I ended up moving to New York city and spent all of my money moving to New York city for a job interview. And I was literally sleeping on the floor of this, uh, apartment that I couldn't even afford and uh, I ended up getting the job and got the job in New York, and they really helped me with understanding the scale of advertising as I got to start spending a million dollars a month in advertising digitally. So that's really forward in my career. But I had to take a step back, and what I say is that as an entrepreneur, even in 2006, 2007, my biggest step forward in being an entrepreneur was taking a step back to go and work for somebody and then having them as my mentor to catapult me to the next level. If I wouldn't have taken that step back and would have continued just, you know, uh, digging around in the mud, just looking for any sort of money or any sort of client, I wouldn't have gotten the attraction model and the knowledge of advertising. Listen, I created one of the most annoying ad campaigns of all all time. (laughs) Yes, I am that guy that created and put the ads online that said, congratulations, you won. Yes, I am that person. So for all of you people that are really mad at me, I'm sorry. We had trillions of impressions and we had, you know, millions of people sign up to our offers. But uh, that company helped me to understand how to emotionally connect with people with advertising, even if that emotion is, hey, I just want something. Let me sign up to this offer. So, uh, yeah, that was me. Um, (laughs) That being said, I would not be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for learning how to emotionally connect with people yeah. with digital advertising. You know, this day and age, you know, with with, with obviously Facebook and, and Twitter and, you know, social media networks kind of almost popping up overnight these days, how do you kind of see through all the clutter and realize what is what is that focus? What is that, you know, what is that disruptor going to be for a particular business? Mark Zuckerberg is a beast. You see uh, the IPO of Snapchat goes out and 
the day that that goes out, uh, Mark launches new platforms right on Facebook that totally just destroy Snapchat. And it makes people think, you know, hey, maybe it changes the press. It changes, you know, the press cycle of everyone talking about Snapchat to going back to talking about Facebook. I invest in Facebook. I invest my time. I invest my money. I invest my client's time, my client's money into the Facebook platform. And if something else pops up, yeah, we'll dabble in it. We'll give it a touch. But we're not going to go all in on any other social network besides Facebook, Instagram, and then also YouTube. It's just an absolute beast. If you put the right videos in YouTube uh, with you know, the right keywords and the right targeting and so forth, those actually show up in Google within 24 hours. So if you have something, some message you want to put out there, you just have to use the right keywords. It'll show up in Google and you'll get great traction. Other than that, everything else that's coming out, all the other cool little gadgets and gizmos and widgets and whatever, uh, Facebook and the monsters are going to buy it up and uh, <laughs> you know just destroy them. So any great idea is going to be destroyed within a year two years uh, with the monster of Facebook. Matt Ganzak, uh, Amazon best-selling author. You have t- two books out there. How many books have you written so far? One book, working on my second one now, but uh, the first book I actually wrote in 48 hours, which was insane. I just didn't sleep for a while, and then uh, <laughs> got that out there. My next book, I'm taking a little bit more time in writing. Now, if people want to get in touch with you or find out more, is it scaleupacademy.com? That's a great place to go, and also milliondollarplan.net. You can grab a free copy of my book, just pay shipping and handling and I'll ship you out a free copy of my book. Well, we definitely want to stay in touch because uh, there's lots of things that we can talk about down the road, obviously some clients of yours as well, and just uh, your overall mentality because, you know, the way the way we see the world evolve today, your your way of thinking and this whole disruptor mentality is a very, very cool concept. I love it. I love it. Looking forward to it. Stick around. There's more coming up right here on Your Tech Report. There's more Your Tech Report after this. Now, back to your tech report. Welcome back to your tech report. Marco Flalo in Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles on Twitter. Follow along, please, at your tech report, facebook.com slash your tech report. And just to throw you for a loop, youtube.com slash your tech report online. Okay. Now, I I always get a little excited when we have our next guest on the show. And I know that that's, doesn't sound right, but uh, I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit, you know, our next guest has been called a friend of the show for a long time. He is a friend of the show. He's actually one of the nicer guys that you'll meet in real life, not just in business. And he probably has one of the coolest jobs in the industry, because if you are a, a pop vinyl fan or any fan of what Funko does, then immediately you're drooling now, uh, of course, as the Pavlovian response to hearing this. But he is the director of marketing for Funko. He's a great guy. He's been on the show a bunch of times. Mark Robin, thank you for coming back. Thank you for not being scared off the first few times you came on the show with us. Oh, I'm terrified, but I just fight through it. <laughs> and you hide it very well, Mark. You know that. <laughs> Glad to be here, guys, as usual. I want, I want to thank you for all the boxes that keep coming my way to Canada because my son, unfortunately, now asks me every single day if another box has arrived. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's become uh, quite the... I guess Pavlov's, Pavlovian response is a pretty good one. Plus, his shelves are just covered in the pop vinyls. Well, we like to hear that, so I don't apologize for that at all. Fine. No, no, nor, nor, nor should you. Now, I think I think we've asked you this before, and I apologize if we have. But for people that haven't listened, uh, and, and I've you know I know you've seen my tweets. I've tweeted about this. We talk talk about it on the radio show. The only downside is at a certain point when it comes to Funko's lines of, lines of products, and I have a bunch of their different products thanks to you, thanks to my own collecting. I really shelf space really does start to become an issue for me, and I joke about it. But do you have other friends, family, people that you work with say, you know, Mark, I love your stuff so much, but seriously? dude, where am I going to put this stuff? I have to make my own room just for my pop vinyls. Am I the only one that has this terrible problem? Oh, no. I mean, I, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a fairly common problem. I mean, you know, some people dedicate an entire room. Some people have a house full of it. Uh, you know, other people just say, well, whatever I can fit on, a, on my desk is whatever I can have. Here's what I recommend. I, I okay. treat my own personal collection kind of like an art gallery. You cycle yes. things in, you cycle things out. You know, mm. it's, it's a museum. It, it, the exhibits aren't static. So, you know, right now you're into whatever. You want some Marvel stuff out there, and then you're like, okay, six months goes by. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rotate some new things in, and you can always cycle back. 
So, you know, think about it that way. That's, that's what I would encourage. Most importantly, never stop collecting. You know, Mark, you know, uh, there are people that pay me a lot of money per hour to give them ex- in- really good business advice. Um, that's not true, by the way. But I have one. I have some free. I have, I have a free business uh, piece of advice that I just thought of. A partnership between Funko and Ikea to make the perfect collectible stand. Okay, I, I'm into it. I just I can't think of a name for it because I don't know Swedish very well. So uh, we'll get. It would there. have to have we'll a, a name that's hard to pronounce. But yeah. I th- you know what? I think that's a brilliant idea. And you know, we're, we're talking about, of course, that the fun you, you know people. Yeah, this can go on forever. Uh, you guys have just made it even more difficult now for people that are looking to clear shelf space and have more space for their stuff because you have just introduced, and here's one of the reasons we have you on, you just introduced a new subscription box. Now, for people that are listening that don't know, Funko probably makes the coolest subscription box in the industry right now because not only do you get, usually you get a, you know at least a couple of cool collectibles, you get a great T-shirt, these are bi-monthly boxes, and of course, you are... Right now you have Marvel Collector Corps, you have the Star Wars Smuggler's Bounty, you have DC's Legion of Collectors, but now tell our listeners who don't know, haven't heard the great news, if you're a Disney fan, what they have to look forward to starting in April. Well, we just uh, started selling our newest subscription box, which is Disney Treasures. So it is, it is another service, just like the other three that you mentioned, but obviously the focus will be on Disney, um, classic Disney, Disney animation, Disney parks. So actual oh, cool. figures and collectibles from rides, which is, uh, which is it's tough to get. You don't see a lot of collectibles based on the rides at Disneyland and Disney World, but we were able to to work that out with Disney. So if you remember, like, we did some, some Haunted Mansion uh, pops uh, right. a year or two ago at SDCC, and we've had, like, the Indiana Jones ride pops. So we'll be able to do more things like that that are specific to the parks themselves. But anyway, uh, all inside of our new subscription box called Disney Treasures. I mean, th- this is this is going to be, well, I don't have to tell you it's going to be huge. You already know it's going to be huge. And it's sort of a natural progression because you're already kind of heavily invested in the Disney family with the Marvel and Star Wars stuff. This seems like a natural progression. But something that you mentioned, you, know, you mentioned the parks themselves. That's actually a huge addition because, as you already know, Mark, there are people that will go that are, they're Disney fans, that will go to the park just to collect the pins when they come out, just oh, yeah. to collect certain statuettes. So there are a whole bunch of Disney collectors, forgetting the movies, Disney park collectors, that now are going to have another way to, to feed their fix. I, well, we hope so. I mean, I think that's the idea is that we're able to bring some of that magic from the theme parks directly to your house, um, you know, via obviously Funko-based style, you know, so it's, it's pop, it's T-shirts, it's going to be dorbs and, and, and pint-sized heroes and all the fun things that we make, but all, all from Funko, all from Disney. I mean, if you're a Disney collector, I, I feel like this is a can't-miss you know, I, and I think there's obviously some overlap between people who collect Marvel and DC and Star Wars, but I really feel like this box is going to stand out. I think it's going to feel like it's really curated for, for a Disney collector, for somebody who, who obviously, um, you know, it has that, that love of Disney movies that, that it isn't necessarily the same thing as somebody who loves comic books and Star Wars movies. You know, it's, it's completely different. You get that vibe when you walk down Main Street and Disneyland and you see all the types of different collectibles they have. I mean, we're really looking at a box for those types of collectors, and I think people are going to love it. Yeah, this seems to be what I think when I, when I think about it and I hear about it. It seems to be like one of these products that kind of spans a very different kind of demographic. It's yeah. not necessarily, you know, it's not really as specific. It really can be generalized a bit more. I, I agree with you. I think it's 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 something that we've worked hard on as we've kind of been partnering with Disney to figure out what's going to be in these boxes. They've taken a very active role. I think they know their collectors very well. Um, we obviously, you know, have a vision for what we want our boxes to look like and how we want people to be excited about them. And I think what the result is is, I mean, I, I already know what the products are largely going to be for the next six months, and and they're amazing. Um, Disney's a great partner to work with. They've got amazing content, and I, it just feels like this box is really, really, you know, just perfectly honed in on what Disney collectors are going to want. 
Yeah, and, and I think you, I mean, you both you both just touched on it now when you talk about the accessibility, the age range, the different types of people that love to. It's sort of this common ground that we all have, the love of Disney and love of their characters, the love of the parks. I think it's going to be huge. And, you know, you mentioned, I think there there are there might be some people out there that don't know the full lineup, Funko's full lineup of great stuff that you have. I think most people are familiar with the Pops. But the Dorb figures, I mean, the Dorbs figures that you got me started on, I mean, this is something that had been around for a little bit, but you kind of got me hooked and shame on you and my Go wife ahead. again upset with me. Yes, you got me hooked on the Dorbs figures, but now, you know, the action figures you've started including in the box, the plushies, the plush figures are adorable, uh, different things, mugs and the t-shirts. Now, Mark, I have to give you another little compliment <laughs> here. I can't tell you there's not a day that goes by and, and I wear, I, I wear the pop vinyl t-shirts that come in or any of the Funko t-shirts that come in the subscription boxes. I, I wear them. I get complimented on these shirts everywhere I go and it doesn't matter the age of the person. It doesn't matter what they love the gender people love these t-shirts so these on their own are doing great too correct they are um we've had you know uh, a lot of success just kind of launching the t-shirts just even into retail but sticking them into the boxes is has been fun because since they're they're limited to the boxes it's kind of cool to go to comic-con or to go to you know star wars celebration in a couple of weeks and see the people wearing the shirts, and you know, like, wow, they're a subscriber. I mean, that, that's cool. It's kind of this identification or, or flag that people are sending up. Like, I'm, I'm a Funko subscriber, and I, I love people seeing people in our line, you know, with the shirts on. It's just it's cool to see people getting uh, really excited about it, kind of repping Funko pretty hard at, at events, or even, like, when people go to uh, the movies and take pictures of themselves, you know, wearing a Marvel T-shirt at Logan or something, and then they tweet that at us. We, we love seeing it. it. It's a lot of fun. But by the way, I'm glad to hear that you like that you're into Dorbs because uh, I've, been, I've been pushing the Dorb uh, angle pretty hard amongst just my friends and, and cohorts. I, it, right. it's, honestly, it's taken over pop for me as my favorite thing from Funko. And uh, the joke here at Funko is that I'm obsessed with rare Dorbs. So if you, can, if you get any rare Dorbs, make sure and give me a shout. The rarer, the better. Oh well, that, that that sort of begs the question: Are there some out there? There are there some out there that are highly that are more highly collectible that are rare, harder to find. Are there some dwarves out there that are really hard to find right now? Oh yeah, well I mean the the. the the dorbs that came out, especially the ones that we tend to do around Comic-Con, so NYCC, right. SDCC, there's like a Huckleberry Hound that's pretty hard to get. Some of the Freddy Funko, who's our mascot, we usually right. theme him to a particular show. So there's like an I Love NYCC Freddy Funko, and there's a, a Seattle Sonics Freddy Funko. Those are pretty hard to get. Um, you know, any of the stuff that's event-driven can obviously be hard uh, to find, Some any of the dorbs that have shown up in the subscription boxes, but... I'm always walking around here at work, uh, taking a hard look at people's desks to make sure they don't have any dorbs that I don't have, because then they might go missing. Well, you know what? I, I do have a connection. I have some friends at Funko, so if you're looking for something, <laughs> you can always just shoot me a call, Mark. I'll, I'll try my best to hook you up. Cool. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Basically, I'm hooking you up with you. You know that. So that, that, uh, oh, that's right, sad. And right. it's, <laughs> I, think, I think he realizes that, Mitchell. It's kind of sad, actually. You know, I didn't really have to say it. I, I know that's really sad that I felt the need to say that. So, okay, so we have the new Disney Treasures box. Uh, we know that, you know, Funko has a full line of different figures. Obviously, the T-shirts come in there, different memorabilia. Uh, you guys are also incredibly, you're incredibly topical. You're incredibly current. You keep all the coolest stuff out there for people to get. Now, and one of those things, tell me what kind of reaction you've gotten because I've kind of been, and I think we talked about this off air and I sent you an email. I've kind of gotten into Overwatch, the game Overwatch, big time, where I'm playing every night. I have a bunch of people that I play with. So, of course, I saw that Funko started putting out a bunch of Overwatch pop vinyls. Now, have they been, have, I can only imagine how successful they've been. People are going crazy for these, right? Oh, yeah. The, the reaction's been great. We did a first wave um, and you know it did well because we're doing a second wave. So when, we, oh, yeah. when, when we're able to do a second series from a license like that, it, it's obviously well-received. I mean, I'm hopeful that we'll make every single character from the game. And it's a cool uh, series to work on because obviously playing the game, you realize like how, how many different costumes and skins each of the characters has. So it kind of gives us this this deep well to draw from for variants and exclusives where we can do, you know, May in this outfit or that outfit or Diva's mech skinned out in pink or in black. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's fun to be able to, uh, to play with that stuff. 
I, I you know, I, honestly, it, it, we had them, we had some hand-painted samples at Toy Fair, and we did a little video where everybody held up their favorite thing from the show, and the thing that right. I had picked was Diva's Mech because it is so gorgeous in person, and the little cockpit actually opens up, and she comes out of there. I mean, it's, it's a really cool piece. Uh, well, dude, you know, you, you are talking to a guy who's uh, my main is Diva. So that is the main character I play within the game. And I'm, I'm totally geeking out right now for the people that are listening that are Overwatch players. Yes, I am a Diva. So I must get my hands on one of those. And yeah, I saw them when they came out. I got excited. Of course, you know, I'm excited to talk about it on the air. And if you've never seen any of the great products that Funko makes, whether it's a pop vinyl line, the Dorbs line, the apparel, the action figures, the plush and all the accessories, go to Funko.com. These subscription boxes that we talk about, and we always Mark, we also talk about the value of these boxes because just the figures themselves increase in value, especially because they are limited to these subscription boxes. Basically, the, the cost of these boxes is offset by the T-shirt itself. So and everything you get in the box is a great value. Now we have even more of the Disney box. One last thing. We were talking about this through emails, and I want to announce it to our audience. Thanks to you and thanks to the folks at Funko. We are going to be giving away a subscription the new Disney Treasures box. It's coming up this month in April. So keep on keep an eye on our YouTube channel. And, and we have to thank Mark. We have to thank you for making this possible. A year subscription. Are you sure you still want to do this? Oh, I guess. Even though you play Diva. She's OP, by the way. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what? When you're old and slow, you need a character that has to be killed twice. Kill my <laughs> mech, then come chase me. I'm old and slow. I make no excuses. I know it's shameful. But yes, yes, even for a Diva, I appreciate that you were keeping the rules the same. So we will have that announcement. Of course, we're going to link back uh, to Funko through social media. Mark, we appreciate you coming on the show. And listen, you guys put out so much stuff throughout the year. You know we're going to have you back soon, right? You know it's not gonna, I- you're not going to have to wait too long I, I hope so please do we've we've, we've got some uh, we're gonna have some cool announcements coming out in the next couple of months for SDCC and obviously that's that's one of our uh, busiest and most fun times of the year so uh, yeah I hope we do talk soon oh well I look forward to having you back on the show and I also look forward to seeing you in person at San Diego Comic-Con because it's, it's one of the things I love to do so thank you for coming on good luck with the new Disney treasures box and we will talk to you soon All right, thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.